we continue together our study of the book of Colossians, beginning at chapter 1, verse 24. We'll read to the end of the chapter. The Apostle Paul writes, Now I rejoice in what was suffered for you, and I will fill up in my flesh what is still lacking in regard to Christ's suffering, afflictions for the sake of his body, which is the church. I have become its servant by the commission of God, gave me to present to you the word of God in its fullness. The mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations, but is now disclosed to the saints. To them God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. We proclaim him, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone perfect in Christ. To this end I labor, struggling with all his energy, which so powerfully works in me. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. My wife reads a lot, and she likes murder mysteries. There's one author that I've read all of his books, and he's a murder mystery guy, too. And his name is Connolly, Michael Connolly. And Ellen has read all the books also. And what we like about those books is we lived in the L.A. area, and all the books are set in that area. So when he describes some scene of some park or something, we can usually picture it in our mind, and we know what happens. And, of course, it's a mystery always. You start the book, and there's a murder, but there's a mystery. And as you read the book, the mystery unfolds. Hieronymus Bosch, he's the detective that always solves these, at least in most of the books. And somewhere in the book... The mystery is revealed, but it's not revealed until way in the book. You have to see everything unfolding first. And so there's a mystery. You're wondering, well, who really did this? And you don't know until later. We like a TV show that you can find on PBS. The season is done right now, so I'm sad about that. But it's called Death in paradise. I'm never going to that island. It's a small island with a few people and always someone gets murdered. You know, I'm mean, I, I just not going to that island. It's one of those places I would never want to be for the amount of people there's more murders than there should ever be. But it's always a big mystery. You know, how did this person get killed and the room was locked? I mean, there was no way for anybody to get in there and the person was killed. And they know it's a murder. But it all unfolds as it goes on. And usually near the end, the detective has this aha moment. He's figured out the mystery. And they arrest the appropriate person or people. It's a mystery. The gospel is the unfolding of the greatest murder mystery of all time. It is. Now for us, you see, it doesn't seem to be quite the mystery that it used to seem to other people. But Paul was the apostle of the mystery of Jesus Christ, and he suffered for that. He suffered for that. 
I mean, he was beaten, he was shipwrecked, he had all sorts of things happen to him. And now when he writes this, he's even in prison. He's suffering for the church of Jesus Christ. He's suffering. Christ suffered and his followers suffer. That's a mystery that we do not fully understand at this point. Someday, someday we'll know. Now, the Apostle Paul knew why he was suffering. He already knew that mystery unfolding because he was suffering so that the gospel could come to the Gentiles, so that the gospel could come to the whole world. In fact, he was suffering in prison when he wrote this so that he could write all these letters, so that today we would know this truth about Jesus Christ. It wouldn't be something that would be a mystery to us. But he had to suffer. But here's the mystery that we cannot yet comprehend. Why do we who are Christians still have to suffer for the gospel of Jesus Christ? Ellen and I give money to a group that supports people who are in difficult situations and often martyrs. And we read their publication all the time. And this is an astounding thing that around the world, many, many Christians are being persecuted. They're suffering for the name of Jesus Christ. Nobody's likely to come in here today and kill any one of us for the name of Jesus Christ. But where they worship, that happens regularly. Their homes are attacked, their businesses are ruined. They suffer for the name of Jesus Christ, but the power of the gospel cannot be stopped by the evil of people who are trying to destroy it by death and mayhem. In fact, it keeps building a church. Recently, we've been reading about a man and woman in North Korea and they, the terrible things they went through and how they're now outside and ministering to people who escaped North Korea and testifying. But suffering is part of the Christian fabric in this world. You may not suffer by being put to death or losing your job, although I've known people who have testified about Christ and have lost their job because they were unwilling to compromise in the area of Christ. But most of us don't experience that. It's a profound mystery how we can possibly fulfill the sufferings of Jesus Christ. But that's what the text says. He says, I fill up in my flesh what is still lacking in regard to Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body. Why do people endure suffering? For the sake of the body of Christ. The mystery. And Paul, he wanted them to know the unfolding of this mystery. I have a box at home, and it's just a shoebox, and on top of it I've written mystery. And in that shoebox, when I would do children's messages, I would often have something in that box. And it was a mystery that they could never figure out. You know, I'd bring it up there, the kids would shake the box, they would feel how heavy it was, they would do all sorts of things with it, but they seldom could tell me what was in the box because it was a mystery. But once I lifted the lid, 
that all say, oh, that's what it is. The mystery would be revealed. And so Paul says, the mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations, but now is disclosed to the saints. You see, it's a lot like that box. In the Old Testament, they were all looking forward to the Messiah, but they only had a mysterious revelation. It didn't make that much sense to them because they were looking at it as something that was going to happen, and we now know what happened. So the mystery has been revealed. We know it. They did not know it. And so Paul was an expert at this. Likely the Apostle Paul had the whole Old Testament memorized. He was Gamaliel's super student. So he was really the man who memorized most of Scripture. And you can tell that when you read his letters and stuff. He knows. He's always throwing in quotes of Scripture. He didn't have a Bible or a reference study book with him. That was in his head. And he would bring it out. And he would tell about it. So he reveals what's in the Old Testament, how it fits and what it means. And what he's doing is explaining the mystery. He's lifting the lid off the box. And he did it by telling the full word of God. I mean, think of revelations in the Old Testament, particularly the mystery that you find in Isaiah 52 and 53 where it talks about the suffering servant and how he would be so deformed and how he would suffer and how he'd be afflicted. And everybody was like, what does that mean? But we know what it means because Christ has gone to the cross for us. And the mystery of Isaiah and all the prophets and everything else has now been revealed. In the Old Testament, they were taking sheep, goats, doves. They would sacrifice them again and again. There was all these sacrifices. And God would say, now your sins are forgiven because you came with this sacrifice. But it was a mystery to them. It was part of what they had to know that the perfect Lamb of God was coming, but the mystery was still covered for them. So sacrifice upon sacrifice, death upon death, mystery upon mystery, and now Paul is revealing it all. He reveals everything that needs to be known. Creation, redemption, righteousness, judgment, grace, mercy, and the love of God. Just to name part of the full word of God and the mystery that he was disclosing. And so he continues to disclose this so people will know the mystery. They're not like in the Old Testament where they didn't know. Now they know. Now it's been explained. Now it's been revealed. It's like reading that novel, right? So if you start in the Old Testament and you read all of that, and you don't know anything about the New Testament, imagine that. Now, most of us can't, but imagine doing that. You know, you read all the Old Testament, and you're just scratching your head. Well, what, what is this all about? Oh, yeah, it's the history of Israel, and all of these happen, things happen. It tells about creation and all of that. But what does it mean? You need to get to the New Testament, where the lid is lifted off. And that's what they needed here. They needed to know this mystery. 
And here's the great mystery that the Jews could never fathom. Even though it was in the Old Testament, even though it was declared, they couldn't get it in their minds that this mystery was not just for the Jews, but for the Gentiles alike. Aren't you happy that's true? Are any of you here Jews? I didn't think so. I'm not. No. I'm one of those heathen tribes up in the Netherlands. I'm from Friesland, actually, at one time. Probably the worst, you know, of all, as I hear, you know, that, that, that. But because this went to the Gentiles, all of us here now know the mystery. But there was a light to the Gentiles. The Old Testament said that Isaiah said that there were to be a light to the Gentiles. But the Jews had no idea what that meant. In fact, this was a lot of Paul's suffering, wasn't it? Because they didn't like it that Gentiles were coming to faith. They wanted this to be a Jewish thing. Not a Gentile thing, too. And so it was a great problem. A great problem. But this is what God did. He was revealing this. He already made it clear in the Old Testament, but their eyes were covered. They could not see that this was for the Gentiles also. And so Paul is the apostle to the Gentiles, and he brings the mystery to them. Now this is the heart of the mystery. This is the heart of the mystery. Let me read it again, so you know I'm not making this up. To them, God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Everyone who believes in Jesus Christ has Christ in them, and they have the hope of glory. Now you say, Pastor, explain how that can be. Well, one of the many questions I'll have when I see Jesus, how did you live in me? How did you give me your spirit? How did all that exactly work? It's still a mystery that Christ, Christ, through his spirit, would live in each and every one of us. And it's the hope of glory. Why do I have hope? Why do you have hope? It's because you know Christ keeps saying to you and to me, I will never fail you. I've already paid the price for you. I'm coming again. All the glory, all the hope is in me. And I am in you. This is how you face life. Because life isn't easy. This is how you face life through the hope of the glory of Christ in you. Everything else won't do any good. Oh, it might help for a while, but it's not true hope. Hope is Christ in us. Hope is this, that where Christ is in glory, you and I will stand with him and live with him forever and ever. He has defeated death. And he's the hope of our glory.
Yet to the world, this is a mystery. If I said that to people on the street, they would say, well, you know, you're, you're not making much sense to me. You don't make any sense at all. I don't know what you're talking about because they don't have Christ in them. But you who have Christ in you should know exactly what I'm talking about because Christ is the hope of your glory. Christ is our only hope and he is in us. Doesn't he tell you again and again, you are my child. I and the Father are one. We come to live with you. We love you. We'll care for you no matter what comes in this world. Christ in you, the hope of glory. People in this congregation, some of them are experiencing some difficult times. But I can tell you this. They have the hope of Christ in them and glory. They do. They're not defeated by the disease that might be ravaging their body because that disease pales in comparison to Christ and his power and his glory. They will live forever. They will live forever because they belong to Jesus Christ. And this is the hope of our glory. Now, a lot of times, we don't have to think of it that deeply as they do. But your day will come. Your time will come. And then you better know this now so that then the hope of glory Christ in you will never fade. That's what the Apostle Paul wanted for the Colossians. That's what I want for you. To know Christ in you, the hope of glory, and to be filled with all the fullness of God so you can face life with victory and you can proclaim his goodness and his grace no matter what's happening. Christ in you. Because the goal of every pastor should be this, as it was for the Apostle Paul, to present people mature in Christ. The more you know the mystery of Christ in you and the hope of glory, the more mature you will become. The things of this world they'll all fade away. You'll not have them anymore. And after a while, you don't even want them anymore because all you want is Christ. All you want is Christ. I've seen it on faces of people about to die. I've said this before, and there they are in the presence of Christ, and Christ is in them. And they're reaching for glory, and sometimes literally. Because they know the hope of glory, Christ in them. Maturity in Christ is our goal. 
And so I want you to be mature also. That takes a lot of time. <laughs> Many of you are fathers and mothers of small children. They're not mature, are they? But what's your goal as a parent? You want to get them to be mature. You want them to get to the point where they can live on their own and they can do it well because they've matured. That's the goal of every parent. It's not an easy day sometimes. You know, you don't want to see them leave, but that's the goal. To be them, have them be mature. And that's our goal too as believers and as a pastor. That you would be mature in Christ. And part of being mature in Christ is coming to this table... And in faith, eating and drinking of Christ. Because this really nourishes us. This points us to Christ. Everything about the church should point us to Jesus Christ. So that he has the preeminence that he deserves in our life and in the world. This is the great mystery, isn't it, that we're going to partake of. Christ, the absolutely innocent and perfect one, suffered in our place for our sins so that we would not receive what we deserve, but forever and ever we would have Christ in us, the hope of glory. And may this serve to bring us to greater maturity in Christ. Let's pray together. Most gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you that what was a great mystery in ages past has now come to be revealed rather than hidden so that we can see Christ, so that we can know Christ, so that we can live according to him. May everyone who comes to this table and receives of it and everyone who witnesses it know and proclaim that Christ is the one who lives in us. And may we become mature believers in Jesus Christ. This we pray in his name. Amen.